church. My name is Steve. I'm glad you're here. Would you stand? Are you ready to worship God for what he has done in our lives? Are you ready to speak to him because he promises that he will be here when we gather together in his name? And I'm so grateful for this brand new life that he's given to us. Just receive 
morning. You guys go ahead and have a seat. Welcome to Capital City Christian Church. My name is Logan. I'm one of the elders here. We are so excited that you decided to come spend your Sunday morning with us. If this is your first time here, let somebody know that this is your first time here in front of the seat back in front of you. There's a card if you want to fill one of those out. Drop them off at the welcome desk. We'd love to get some information from you so that we can sell it to marketers and, and make some money for the church. So that'd be kidding. We're not going to do that. Uh, we're just going to send you some info on the church. Um, so again, welcome. Before we get uh, started too deep into this, we do have a few announcements to go through. Uh, the first one uh, is some events that we've got coming up. Uh, it's our middle school madness. Supposedly, the middle schoolers are going to completely take over the church. So if we don't have a church after this event, it's their fault of course, right? It is on April 21st from 6 to 10 p.m. There's going to be food. There's going to be games. There's going to be prizes. So if you've got a middle schooler, if you are a middle schooler, uh, send the middle schooler or come yourself. Uh, bring a friend. Uh, we've got uh, plenty of space for you. No need to register. Just show up and surprise Ben, uh, and he would love to see you. Okay? Uh, next is our Are You Ready weekend. Uh, this is going to be an awesome, awesome event. The Russell uh, crew is coming, uh, um, and as well as Sold Out, which is a great band. If you see Sold Out, it's not the event that is sold out. That is the name of the band, which explains why that they have their concerts and eight people show up because everybody thought it was sold out. So, uh, But it's not sold out. You should come. You should show up. You should listen to these speakers and to the band uh, and have a great time. Next is the Getting Started 201. Uh, this is just a Q&A meeting uh, is all it is. If you've got questions about the church, if you want to know where things are, you want to know what we believe, why we believe it, uh, come to this, uh, this session uh, right after first service, right after second service. So if you didn't get all your questions in on first service, uh, you can come back on after second service as well. Okay. Now, if, uh, if you started coming here last week at Easter, or maybe this is your first time, I can tell you, I'm not normally up here. I'm not always up here frequently. Uh, the reason they have me come up here is because I'm the controversial guy, okay? They have me come up here and say the things that are just extremely controversial that nobody else wants to say, that frankly, things that are just going to make you mad, okay? So that's, that's what I'm going to do today. Uh, so the thing that is going to make you mad is something that I believe and you may not believe, okay? I don't want to say that's okay because really it's not. Uh, but that thing that I believe and you may not believe is that remastered and re-edited movies are better than the original. I said it. It's true. It's true, and, and I've got proof, okay? The first proof is right here, Star Wars, okay? Han Solo on the left, Greedo on the right, in the original, Han Solo shot Greedo first. Now, that may not sound like a big deal to you. Han Solo goes on to marry Princess Leia. Princess Leia is a Disney princess, okay? Disney bought Star Wars. Princess Leia is a Disney princess. Would you want your Disney princess, would you want Elsa marrying a mass murderer? Absolutely not. In the originals, Han Solo, murderer, okay? Because he shot Greedo first, okay? In the remake, they switched it. They made Greedo shoot first. Han Solo shot second. He's now a hero, okay? So had Han continued to be the murderer, Disney never would have bought Star Wars. Princess Leia never would have been a Disney princess, okay? So that's example one. Example two, again, sticking with Star Wars here. On the left, you have the, the funeral scene, okay? Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Star Wars, that's, that's a, a, basically a funeral. The top image there, that's old man Anakin Skywalker. That's, that's Darth Vader. Again, spoiler alert. Sorry, now you don't have to see it. Uh, but, but you don't really see that guy. I mean, you see him 
with a bunch of makeup and a broken Darth Vader mask. The bottom image, though, is the Anakin that, that you get to see, know, and love in the other movies. Okay, so they switch that. The one on the right, the top image, okay, Han Solo facing down five or six stormtroopers. That's not intimidating. It's Han Solo. He's a murderer, okay? So that's not scary. So on the remake, it's hundreds of stormtroopers. It's a big deal, okay? So reboots, remastered, better than the original. Next one. Anybody know who this guy is? What's his name? Hans Gruber. Nope, you're wrong. That is Jack Gruber, if you're in Germany, because the Germans thought that that was wrong for the German to be the bad guy, so they made him Irish, and his name is Jack Gruber, okay? You guys laugh. You think that's a load of it. Really, if you're German, you love it, okay? So remastered, better than the original, okay? Now, if you disagree with me, that's fine. You can. You're just less of a Christian than I am, okay? And here's why, okay? In Ephesians, it says, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put, your new, put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Now, in all seriousness, we a lot of times don't like the process of being remastered and re-edited right? Uh, we, we, we don't like going through it. We think we're fine just the way we are, but Jesus calls us uh, to be more, and that's what we're going to dive in today. So let's stand and continue to worship. Stop. 
There's been many times in my life that I have had a crippling sense of guilt over the things and the choices I've made in my life, over things that I allowed to happen in my life that I thought I was unworthy of forgiveness. But God, <laughs> it took me a long time to realize that the God that is there for you at the highest point in your mountain, at the highest point in your life, when you're on top of that mountain, is the same God that is there for you in that valley to pick up all the pieces and, like Doc says, to drag you to heaven. So I'm going to try to make it through this song because it's very special to me, and I hope you all enjoy it and get a blessing from it the way that I have.
our situation, you came down into our world, and you changed us. You let your spirit do the work within us, and God, we are so grateful. We don't have to live on our own any longer. We're so grateful that the old is gone and there is a brand new. Father, we want to live this life in such a way that the world can see that we are not the same. We are different and we are new. You've given us something so grand and so wonderful and so great. I don't want to live any other way except for within your spirit, following your word. Father, we pray each of these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Why don't you guys have a seat? One who restores broken hearts, who refreshes tired spirits, who makes all things new. Let our faith and hope be born again today. Help us to let go of the past, stop looking back, and turn our eyes toward you. We are here today in full acceptance of who we've been, but also in hopeful expectation of who you're shaping us to be. Let your love work in us so you can better work through us. We stand ready, ready to embrace all you have for our lives, ready to do your will ready to witness the wonders of your mighty hand, ready to share the redeeming love, the perfect grace, the life-changing salvation you have given us. So today, we lift up our voices in praise to the one who washes away our failures, who wipes away our fear and doubt, to the almighty God who makes all things new. pray together. Our Father, we are so grateful that we can be here together. We're so grateful that you're here. And as we've heard, grace is it's too good to be true in our minds, and yet it's there. Give us the courage to accept it. And help us to love you back. And now we pray, Lord, that the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our hearts will please you. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Guys, thanks for being here. If you were here last week, it was a great service, wasn't it? I tell you. We had a good weekend. Our garden to grave, it's the first time we've tried that. I expected a couple hundred people. I was optimistic. We ended up with 464 people going through our garden to grave. It was pretty cool. <clears throat> And the people who put it together just blew my minds. We had some volunteers step up and they created an experience that was way better than I expected. Well, thank you guys. And then we had uh, just three short of 1,500 here last week and that was just a, an amazing day. And what was, what was cool is that it was just flat out good worship. People experienced a family of God that was engaged with God. And uh, that's, that's such a powerful thing. I hope God was honored. Now this morning, guys, I'm going to preach this sermon in two parts, because this first part is really an introduction to this new series, Remastered, okay? And then the second part, I'll kind of kick it off right after the Lord's Supper. Now, 
I can't see well, you know, because uh, the lights are in my eyes, but I, I, I can probably tell. How many of you guys like going to the dentist? I actually see three hands. These guys are weird. They're Dan, Dan Patrick is my dentist, right? He's an evil man. He's a very ornery Baptist. And you know how dentists will numb you up and then start drilling and you can't talk back? Well, Dan numbs me up and he starts drilling and then he starts talking trash. And I can't talk back. And if I wince, he acts like he's sorry. <laughs> I don't think he is. He's an evil man. Beats me at golf, too. But I keep going back because my mouth is a mess and I need the help. Well, I suspect that's what this new series is going to be like. It's going to be like going to the dentist. You probably need it, but I doubt you're going to like it. I think you're going to feel like you're going to the dentist ten weeks in a row. How cool is that? Now, it's not going to be much fun for Ben or me either, because we're going to be the dentist, kind of. But we're going to be preaching to ourselves, too. And this stuff is hard for us. In fact, the stuff that we unpack will expose our hypocrisies. Because it's hard. And we know that oftentimes God's truth hurts. And it's not fun to hurt people that you care about. But if you love them, you've got to tell them God's truth if you can do it with grace. Now, if you are not a Jesus follower yet, this stuff we're going to talk about is going to sound weird to you. Maybe even wrong. And there's a reason for that. Sometimes God's ways are flat out countercultural. Sometimes they're, they seem unnatural. Always have been. The Apostle Paul actually put it like this. He said, the person without the Spirit does not accept things that come from the Spirit of God. He considers them foolishness. And they do. They can't understand them because they're discerned only through the Spirit. So, he says, God's ways sometimes sound like foolishness to people who hold God at arm's length. And you've seen it. And... Sometimes I think God's ways seem like foolishness to those of us who are Jesus followers, too. You know why? Because sometimes we listen to our culture more than we listen to God. So this stuff is hard for us because it is countercultural, And we're going to want to push back. Nevertheless, I do want to be the man God wants me to be. Most of the time. At least I want to want to be the man God wants me to be most of the time. And I want you guys to be the men and women of God that you were created to be. And I want you to want that too. It's going to be hard because to be the man that God wants me to be, to be the man or the woman that God wants you to be, he's going to have to tear some things out of you that are getting in the way, right? So, are you excited? Ready to get started? This is going to be a series on what Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit. You ever hear that phrase? The fruit of the Spirit. He lists a bunch of them in Galatians 5, not all of them because this is just a sampling. But here's what that means. When you become a Jesus follower, 
By that I mean when you accept Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, God the Father plants God the Spirit inside of you. Now, God's Spirit has always been around you. He always has been. But when a Jesus, a person becomes a Jesus follower, God's Spirit kind of takes up residence inside, and he goes to work. It's his job to go to work. And these fruit of the Spirit are evidences that you are cooperating with God as he's going to work in you. You ought to be changing. It ought to be apparent to you over time that you're changing. It ought to be apparent to the people around you over time that you are changing because the Holy Spirit's trying to change you, right? Now, here's the deal. God loves you just the way that you are right now. But God loves you way too much to let you stay the way you are right now because you're a mess. So am I. And when God plants his Holy Spirit inside of us, he starts fixing that mess, if we let him. Because you don't have to let him. Part of the Spirit's job inside of you is to shape you into the man or the woman that God created you to be. And he created you to be spectacular. And he starts trying to cultivate this fruit of the Spirit inside of us. Trying to shape us into what he meant us to be. Now, guys, this fruit of the Spirit we're going to talk about is not just for a few of you. It's not a special gift for the super spiritual. If you are a Jesus follower, this is what God is trying to build in you, all of it. You know why? Because you were created in the image of God. And all of these different facets of the fruit of the Spirit are simply different parts of the image of God. You were created to be godly. You were created to be godlike. Every one of you. You buy that? And that's what the spirit of the, this fruit of the spirit is all about. It's the character of God. It's what it looks like to be godly. It's what it looks like to be godlike with his character. It's what it looks like to have the image of God. It's what you were meant to be. Now there are some limits to this image of God that we share. In fact, theologians use some really big words when they talk about the incommunicable attributes of God versus the communicable attributes of God. The incommunicable attributes of God are things that we can't share. We'll never be omniscient. We will never know everything knowable. We will never be omnipotent. You will never be able to do everything doable, and you will never be omnipresent, which means everywhere all at the same time. Those are incommunicable attributes of God. But there are these two, the communicable attributes of God, ways that we can be like Him. You can reflect His character. You can be kind of loving like He is. You can treasure kindness and goodness like he does. You can be more gentle like he is. You know, power under control. You can reflect his character, his holiness, and his goodness. Those are the communicable attributes of God. Now, here's part of the paradox. You're not strong enough. Neither am I. I'm not smart enough. Neither are you. None of us are good enough to cultivate by ourselves the image of God in us. That's why it's called the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. 
because he's smart enough, he's strong enough, he's good enough that he can shape us into what he meant us to be if we let him. Because you don't have to cooperate. I don't have to cooperate. In fact, you can look around and you can see a plethora of Jesus followers, people who've been in this thing for a long time, who don't act like they have the image of God in them. They don't act godly. They don't act godlike. In fact, if you've been a Jesus follower for a while and you don't see any evidence that this fruit of the Spirit is growing in you, what's wrong with you? It's not God's fault. Spirit of God has been trying to grow this stuff inside of you. If it's not growing in you, it is not on Him. It's on us. See why this series is going to be like going to the dentist? Here's another part of the paradox. This is really important. It's going to be hard to grasp. So you're going to have to lean in a little bit. You don't grow the fruit of the Spirit by pursuing the fruit of the Spirit. That's not how it works. The Holy Spirit cultivates the fruit of the Spirit when we pursue God. You go after God. This is important. You don't pursue the gifts. You pursue the giver. It's not about pursuing what you want from God. It's about pursuing God. Let me tell you what a lot of Jesus followers do, maybe some of you guys. This Jesus following stuff is kind of like a game to us, self-help game. Do a little church, read a little Bible, do a little praying, clean up your Bible a little bit, and perhaps you can get God to do what you want Him to do for you. A lot of Jesus followers try to use God to get His power. But it's really His power they want, not God. So what about this instead? What if we focus on what God has already done for us rather than fixating on what we want Him to do for us in the future? What if we love God for what He's already done instead of trying to manipulate Him, him into doing something for us in the future? What if God is not a means to an end? What if God is the end? See, if you're a Jesus follower, it's not about you anymore. Maybe the fruit of the Spirit is a side effect of pursuing God. Maybe the fruit of the Spirit is a side effect of getting close to God. Maybe you can picture it like this. Not always, but sometimes people who are married for a while start looking like each other. You ever notice that? Sometimes both husband and wife go around looking like they've just been forced to eat broccoli, right? <laughs> They're all grumpy-like. Well, they should be. Sometimes both husband and wife go around looking like they just had some bacon. You know, all smiles, life is good, right? Because if you're really close to someone over time, sometimes they kind of rub off on you, right? It's kind of scary. Ever noticed that some of your kids' best friends kind of rub off on your kids? That can be scary, can't it? Have you ever noticed how sometimes when kids grow up, sometimes, not always, but sometimes they look kind of like their parents? Not just in the way they look, but they think similarly, they act similarly, like father, like son. Have you ever noticed that sometimes when people hang out with God real close, a lot, 
sometimes that person starts thinking like him and acting like him. They start acting God-like. I'm not talking about people who know a whole lot about God. You can know a whole lot about God and not act like him at all, right? I know quite a bit about God compared to most people because it's been my business for 50 years. Fact is, you can know a whole lot about God and not act like him at all, right? You can work for God for a long time. You, you can spend your life working for God. It doesn't make you like him. Growing in the image of God isn't about learning more about God or doing more for God. It's about getting close to God. Do you get that? And you can't get close to God without some of those communicable attributes of God rubbing off. You can't get close to the lion without the breath of the lion changing you. When you love God for himself, when you love God not for what he might do for you, when you spend time getting close to God, it will change you because it'll put you in a receptive place where the spirit of God can grow the image of God inside of you. You get it? Now, there's one more little piece to this introductory stuff. <clears throat> That's what all this stuff is, just introduction to the series. Let's read it really carefully. The fruit of the Spirit is, not are, is, singular. It's as clear as it can be in the Greek. In the Greek, you can make the word fruit singular or plural. Singular. In Greek, the verb is, is singular. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's one thing. They hang together. You can't pick and choose. You can't go bragging about your love and your joy when you're pathetic about self-control. They hang together. The Holy Spirit grows them together. They require each other. If you genuinely love like God does, you're going to have some patience and some kindness, and some goodness, and some faithfulness, and some gentleness, and some self-control, or you're not loving like God does. Do you understand? If you actually have God, a God kind of peace, you're going to have joy and love and all the rest, or it's not God's kind of peace. You can't be good if you're not gentle. You cannot have patience if you don't have self-control. These things hang together. We don't get to pick and choose. We can't say, I want these, but neglect the others. So how are you doing as Jesus followers? Can you sense God growing this stuff inside of you? Would those people around you who know you best see God making progress with you? Or are you fighting Him? And here's the key, guys. It's not about learning more about God. It's not about doing more for God. That's easy. It's about daring to get close to God. Because you can't get close to God without some of his image rubbing off on you. Now, one of the ways that we pursue this closeness to God is in genuine worship. I'm not talking about coming here to this room and watching other people worship. I'm talking about actual worship. 
And one of the parts of worship that we go through every week is about giving God the thanks for what he has already done for us, not about what he's going to do for us in the future, but giving him thanks for what he's already done for us at this table. That's what the Lord's Supper is all about, isn't it? He's in the room. And the next few minutes, we're just going to soak in his love for us. We're going to give him the thanks that he deserves. We give an opportunity to come to these tables. You're going to see that tray. It's got some bread on it. That bread represents the body of Christ. Broke his body for you. You're going to see a little tiny cup of juice, just a little tiny thing, but it represents the blood of Jesus shed for you. It's a table of thanksgiving. We give him thanks for what he's already done for us, right? Loving him back, we've got that offering box, that black offering box. That's where we Jesus followers give our first part back to God. Now, if you're not a member of this church family, you're under no obligation. But if this is your church family, that's where we give our first part back to God. And that white bucket you're going to see around the room, those are generous buckets. Every dollar that goes in there, we just use to love on people, take care of people, whether in the church family or in the community. There's one more thing that I want you to pick up this morning at the worship stations. You're going to find some little cards, okay? Little tiny card. I'd like you to pick up one of these cards. We'll explain it in the second half of the sermon, which is going to come after the Lord's Supper. So pick one of these up. You're going to need it this week, okay? Let's pray together. For your gifts to us, we give you thanks. For what you have done for us, we give you thanks. For who you are, we give you thanks. We love you, Lord, and we just pray that in the next couple of minutes, we're going to honor you from the bottom of our hearts. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. You're welcome.
pray. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. Thank you, God, for loving us anyway. Help us to gain just a little bit of an idea what that means and what that means for how we love each other. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Let's stamp. We're going to read some of the most important verses in all of the Bible. I'm going to read the parts in white. I'd like you guys to read the parts in yellow. You ready? If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but I didn't love others, I'd be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Next line. If I gave everything I have to the poor, even if I sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing from God. It does not rejoice about injustice. It rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. Go ahead and be seated. Is God serious? You buy that? That's God's kind of love? I'm going to give you an assignment this week, and it has to do with these cards. I hope you picked one up. If not, make sure you pick one up after the service is over. Now, you don't have to do your homework, right? You don't at school. You don't have to do it for this, right? But I really think that this can change you. See, the Holy Spirit is trying to grow a very special kind of love inside of you. It's a God kind of love. It's hard. It's counterintuitive. It's countercultural. And it's way superior to any other kind of love. Love is patient and kind, he says. That's hard. Sometimes I'm kind. Not always. I'm rarely patient. And I've been in this thing for a long time. How about you? Love is not jealous. It's not boastful, proud, or rude, which is hard. I get jealous, I battle pride, and I'm told occasionally that I'm rude. How about you? God kind of love doesn't demand its own way, which is hard, because my way is nearly always the right way, right? God kind of love is not irritable, <laughs> keeps no record of being wronged. That's really hard. I can hold a grudge. God kind of love never gives up, never loses faith in God, is always hopeful because he's God, endures through every circumstance, really. We do not have the power to love this way on our own. But why would you want to settle for any lesser kind of love? Why would you do that? 
if this is what you were made for. Guys, this kind of love is a really, really, really big deal if you're a Jesus follower. In fact, this God kind of love is the number one thing that put Paul puts in this list of the fruit of the Spirit. In fact, I think everything else just defines what this kind of love looks like. It all starts here. Jesus identified a God kind of love as the number one and the number two priority for a Jesus follower. He says, I want you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is similar. You got to love your neighbor as you love yourself. He's talking about a God kind of love, this kind of love, 1 Corinthians 13 kind of love. I'm not talking about cheap substitutes that we settle for. Apostle John says, if you claim to love God and yet hate a brother or a sister, you're a liar. That's what he says, isn't it? For you don't love a brother or sister whom you have seen. You can't love God whom you haven't, which is why God gave us this command. You must, right? You must love your brother and sister if you love God. With the kind of love that 1 Corinthians 13 is talking about, not the kind of counterfeit love that you settle for. This stuff is huge. Now, unfortunately, because of what I've tried to do this morning, I've only got 10 or 12 minutes to unpack what this kind of love looks like, which is why I'm giving you a homework assignment, right? To do the work that I can't get done. But giving God the space to work on you directly as he tries to cultivate this kind of love inside of you. We're only going to have a chance to scratch the surface this morning. So I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians 13, and I'm going to try to draw out just three big ideas. That's all. Three big ideas. Big idea number one, your character is more important than your gifts. I don't care what you can do. I don't care how smart you are. Your character is way more important, right? Number two, a God kind of love cannot be self-centered. It's not about you. And big idea number three, a God kind of love does not quit. You know why? Because it's not about how lovable they are. It's about how loving you are. That's the way God is with you, isn't it? This kind of love is countercultural. So real quickly, just a couple of thoughts on each one. Number one, your character is more important to God than your gifts. Now look back at those first three verses. I'm going to have them on screen. If I could speak all the languages of earth, and if I could speak even the language of angels, if I was one of the greatest preachers ever, but I didn't love others, to God, I'd just be noisy, right? If I had the gift of prophecy, if I understood all God's secret plans, if I possessed all knowledge, if I had the most brilliant mind ever, even if I had the faith to move mounds, if I was the kind of guy that could get mountainous things done, if I didn't love God, it might be impressive to you, but not to God at all. And he's what counts. I mean, even if I gave everything that I have to the poor, if I sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. You might admire me. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing from God. That's what he says, Right? I have been around some really, really noisy gongs and some really uh, annoyingly clanging cymbals. Have you? Been around some guys who are incredibly smart, way smarter than I am. Guys who know a whole lot more about God than I ever will. And some of them were flat-out jerks. 
You know guys like that? I've known some guys who have these prodigious resumes of all that they've done for God. All these preacher or sermons they've preached, the money they've given, the hours they've volunteered, how many souls they have saved. And God says you might impress people, you might even impress yourself. But you don't impress me if you think it's all about you. One time Jesus said some really haunting words. These are hard. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who do the will of my Father who's in heaven. And then he says this. Many are going to say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We drove out demons. We performed miracles. And he's still going to say to them, I don't know you. Because it's not about how smart you are for God, how gifted you are for God, how much money you have donated, how many hours you have donated. God does not read your resume. God doesn't read your resume. He reads your heart. Do you understand that? Your character is way more important to God than your gifts. So how's your character? Does your inside match your outside? Big idea number two. And this kind of spells out what a God-honoring character looks like. Because I think all of the rest of this is just an explanation of love. Love is not self-centered. It's not about me. A God kind of love is patient and kind. A God kind of love is not jealous, boastful, proud, or rude. A God kind of love does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. God kind of love doesn't rejoice about injustice, but only when the truth wins out. And that's hard stuff, isn't it? Now, I'm going to give you a really silly illustration. It might be stupid as all get out, but I think there's a difference between bacon love and baby love, right? Every wise man loves bacon, right? That's bacon love. Every wise man loves his babies. That's baby love, but I hope it's a different kind of love, right? Let's start with bacon love. How many of you guys love bacon? Raise your hands. If your hand is not up, you are disrespecting God, okay? <laughs> Bottom line. How many of you guys love broccoli? You're weird, okay? A wise man loves bacon because it's one of God's greatest gifts to man. A wise man hates broccoli because it's bad, all right? We love things that taste good. We don't love things that don't. That's bacon love. It's a self-centered kind of love. It's a hunger kind of love. That person tastes good to me. That person meets my needs, sates my hunger. That person makes me happy. What happens when they stop meeting my needs? When they don't taste good anymore, when they don't make me happy anymore. If yours is a bacon love, you don't love them anymore. Because a bacon kind of love is self-centered, self-absorbed, narcissistic, right? Baby kind of love is different. If you have ever had a baby, they take way more from you than they ever give back, right? They cry a lot. Most of the time, it seems, for no apparent reason. They make real messes, and they smell. 
a lot. They disrupt your sleep. They're expensive. They take and take and give so little back, maybe an occasional smile or something like that, and it makes you melt. For some crazy reason, you love them anyway. Think about how weird that is. If your husband makes messes and smells a lot, if your wife cries a lot for no apparent reason, we respond with a bacon kind of love. How sad is that? Which do you think is a God-honoring, image of God kind of love, bacon or baby love? You see, a God kind of love just flows into the things that Paul mentions here. If you love someone God's way, you're going to be patient. You're going to want to give them slack. You're going to want to give them grace like he gives you, right? It's hard for us. If you love someone God's way, you're going to try to be kind because you're going to want to try to help them. If you genuinely love them God's way, you're not going to be jealous because you want them to have the best, not just you. If you love them God's way, you're not going to be boasting about your victories. You're going to want to hear about theirs. You're going to be willing to listen as much as you want to talk. If you genuinely love somebody God's way, you're not going to be rude because you care about their feelings. Our culture has mastered the art of rudeness. That's not us, guys. If you love someone with a God kind of love, you're not going to be self-seeking. You're going to seek what's best for them. What they need is just as important to us as what we need. If you love someone the way God loves them, you're not going to be easily angered. Aren't you glad that God isn't easily angered with you? You're not going to keep a record of wrongs. Aren't you glad doesn't keep your record of wrongs, that God doesn't keep that? Jesus showed us how love covers a multitude of sins. That's what a God kind of love does. This is a countercultural kind of love, isn't it? This is counterintuitive. It almost seems unnatural, but it's what God made you for. It's stronger, more beautiful than their kind of love. This is image of God love, guys. This is what he's trying to build in you. And number three, a God kind of love doesn't quit. Aren't you glad that God doesn't quit loving you? God kind of love doesn't quit, guys, which is as countercultural as it gets because a self-centered love is all about quitting. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. He says, love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. How many marriages do you know that have ended with the words, I don't love him anymore? I don't love her anymore. Dozens? Because we refuse to accept what a God kind of love costs. We don't understand where a God kind of love comes from. You know why a God's kind of love doesn't quit? You know why his love for you doesn't quit? Because it's not about how lovable you are. It's about how loving he is. Do you know why a godly love doesn't quit? Because it's not about how lovable they are. It's about the image of God in us. It's not dependent on how lovable they are. Well, here it is. If your love for anybody is based on what they do for you, if your love for anyone is based on how they make you feel, your love is going to be a roller coaster and eventually it's going to die. 
Guaranteed. If your love for someone is based on their meeting your needs, then you love them for what they do for you more than you love them. And you're going to quit. Most of us are only willing to give as much as we're getting. And that is not a God kind of love. Most of us love what they give us more than we love them. We love what they do for us more than we love them. And a self-absorbed love cannot last. Do you get it? A God kind of love is infinitely stronger. It doesn't quit. I told you I couldn't do any more than scratch the surface this morning. That's all we've done. If you want to come back on Wednesday night, we'll try to dig a little deeper. But here's the deal. If you've asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and your Savior, He planted His Holy Spirit inside of you. And God's Spirit inside of you is on a mission to reshape you into what God meant you to be, to cultivate the image of God in you. The question is this, will you let Him? Will you trust Him? Will you trust Him as He cuts away some of those things that are getting in God's way? It's going to hurt. Will you trust him when he starts cultivating things in you that are going to look weird to them? Will you trust that God knows what he's doing? Because he's God. Here's your assignment. You don't have to do it, but I think it'll be worth doing. First thing in the morning, every day this week, read 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7. It's on this card, back of this card, okay? Read it. Find one piece that sticks or just nags at you, and think about it during the day. Before you go to bed, read it one more time. Pray about it. Read it every day, morning and night, if you can, every day for a week. If you can, memorize it. I know memorizing is kind of hard for some of us old guys because we get our older, our brains kind of change. A lot of times we can think a little better, but we can't memorize. It's hard. But try it anyway. Try to make this part of you. That's your assignment. I think it'll work. Right now, let's worship our amazing God the way that He wants us to love each other. Let's stand. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught Pain is gold and 
mercy fills the streets to look upon the one who bled to save me and walk with me for all eternity.
celebrate what Jesus Christ has done, this brand new life that we've been given. We want to make sure that this world sees that we are brand new. We want your spirit to flow through us in us. Let us be people that love the way that we need to love. Thank you so much for Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. I hope to see you again next week. Thank you.